Stay hungry, stay foolish. The Now on the Innovation Show, it's a huge pleasure to welcome CEO and founder of Holacracy, Brian Robertson. Welcome to the show, Brian. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you on the show, and I've read the book, and it just dragged me down the rabbit hole, man, of this change that's so overdue in the world of of the way businesses are structured. The organizational structure is just so archaic. Before we even go and talk about what Holacracy is, it'd be great to understand your background. Yeah, well, so I'm an entrepreneur, and uh, you know, I worked in companies before that earlier in my career, and they all left me feeling like there's just got to be a better way to do this. <laughs> you know, the, the basic way we we work together. I I just I never felt like I could drive change effectively in the companies I worked for, and uh, one of them I worked at won an award for being the best mid-sized company to work for in America, and I hated working there. And I mean, it was a great environment for a lot of reasons, you know, all the standards for why companies win that award, great culture, great perks, great benefits. But there was something about the way that work got done that left me always feeling like there was bureaucracy and politics and all this other uh, ego dynamics in the way of actually serving the purpose of the company that I really cared about. And so I, I started my own company kind of to be a laboratory I realized I've got a problem. If I don't like working for the best company to work for in America, <laughs> you know, I need to figure something out. Uh, so I started my own company uh, to be a laboratory and to experiment. And for years, we just experimented with different techniques and ideas and practices and processes and, and just looking for how can we organize differently uh, and really let people drive change effectively and serve a purpose without all that other stuff getting in the way. And that's kind of where this all came from in my background. And that led to what eventually we named Holacracy and is now spreading all over the world. We'll dive into that in a, in a moment. But in the book, you talk about this. The structures on which companies are built come from such an old world. Would you mind telling the audience a little bit about that? Because a, a lot yeah. of people don't realize that because they're just born into that, that world. Yeah, well, I mean, think about, like, if, if you're listening, think about how much the world around us has changed over the past couple of decades, even, right? I mean, it wasn't that long ago, there was no internet, you know, and, and then look at how much that's changed the world. Um, look at today's, you know, younger generation growing up in an always-on, instantly connected world, social media, the, you know, the, the, the whole way we, we communicate has just radically changed, Um and then look at how we run companies and what's really changed in that in the past, not just a couple of decades, you can go back about 100 years before you find massive upheaval in the way we run companies. So in my mind, these two are simply out of sync, right? The, the way we structure companies today, the top-down management hierarchy, the command and control kind of paradigm, that worked great in the middle of last century for the complexity in the world and the pace of change and the way we communicated the way we, we coordinated work. It was fine for the level of complexity we faced back then. Uh, but today, you know, I, I think the way we structure organizations has simply become obsolete. Uh, the world is simply moving too fast. The, the change is too much. The number of inbound messages we have to deal with um, is just skyrocketed. It's, it's at least an order of magnitude, maybe two, more than what it was just a couple decades ago. And our organizations are struggling to respond to that demand 
And I think a lot of that is because this, this fundamental structure we use generally limits change. It was designed for that. It was designed to make sure one person at the top could kind of control the vision and get everything pushed down. Um, but I think more and more we're in an environment where people throughout the organization need to use their their heads more, not, not just their hands. Uh, they need to, to use their hearts more. I mean, we have a younger generation demanding meaning and purpose in their work uh, and ready to contribute more um, if they're inspired, if they have some real autonomy. And I think the whole fundamental structure of organizations uh, needs to be rethought in light of what we're facing in the world today and what we need. You know, when you were saying about yourself and, and you were in one of the, the best places to work businesses and you still felt it was broken. There's so many people out there and I'm sure they'll find they'll, they'll find solace in the fact that you're saying this and that we're calling out that the system is broken because so many people feel lonely. And it's it's not just those those younger generation coming up looking for purpose. It's a lot of people, yeah. older generations within companies are just they know it's broken, but they're resigned and they feel absolutely stuck. But but you're showing there is another way. And I think that's really key. That there's there's I mean, it's one thing to point out the issues. We all know those. You, you can't work in a company for very long without really running into the bureaucracy, the politics, and all the stuff that limits change. But the question is, what do you do about it? And I understand the resignation, um, but there are other ways, and they're spreading. And there's there's about a thousand companies now in the world doing holacracy. There. Are our alternatives are other ways fundamentally to structure a company that are more suited, I think, for the nature of our world today. Amen. The system's broken, right? We are. Yeah. I'm sure it's not just us and, and the, the thousands of companies do, using Holacracy now, but so many people within companies know it's broken and they're finding a way, they're looking for a way and they're trying to change from the bottom up, the top down, the middle out, whatever way they can. But, but let's look at a moment now at how a better, what a better system looks like. So it's uh, it's a pretty radical departure <laughs> from what uh, what we're used to today. Uh, holacracy is a way of structuring and organizing, running a company without a top-down management hierarchy, but with something else to replace it. And I think one of the biggest misconceptions people get when you talk about running a company with no managers, which is what this is, people just imagine just throwing out the managers and chaos. And that's really not what we're talking about. It's Holacracy is a, an alternative system for achieving the same results. So today we look to managers to like break down work and figure out who's doing what. Uh, we look to them to make sure people are accountable to, uh, you know, kind of uh, align a team with an overall direction. You still need those things in any company. Holacracy just gives you an alternate mechanism to reach them and one that invites everyone to get involved instead of just the elite management class to figure out those hard problems of how do we structure and, and work together in this team. Uh, so in a lot of ways, Holacracy actually adds more structure, not less than the management hierarchy. We just get there not by a top-down breakdown, but by each team having a little governance process where the whole team can get involved in figuring out how do we break up work in this team? Who's going to make which decisions? What do we expect from each other? Right? You need clarity on those things to work effectively together. In fact, I think you need more clarity than managers often provide. I don't know that many managers that are really good at clarifying the boundaries between the roles on the team, the expectations, who makes which decision. More often than not, we just call big meetings and try to agree on everything, which is incredibly slow and hard to get change through. So what Holacracy does is replace managers as a control mechanism. Uh, with a, a more emergent process that invites the entire team in every team to get involved with governing and structuring that team. 
And then there are ways to connect teams together and there's other pieces of it as well, but that's kind of the, the basics. It's an alternate way. Uh, and at the end of the day, you have no management hierarchy. Uh, you have lots of individuals, each empowered to take action in their role, part of a team, and they have some influence on the other roles on their team. So uh, it's, it's, um, it's a, a highly, uh, in, in a lot of ways, uh, another misconception when you, you talk about no managers, people assume all decisions must be made by big groups and consensus and kind of the opposite of that. Uh, holacracy is about clarifying who makes which decision and what do we expect of them to go along with that, that authority and then give them the freedom to go lead their piece of it. So like everyone gets to be a CEO of their role and gets to have influence on the other roles in the system and how we break them down. So it's a, a system that gives you a lot of autonomy, uh, a lot of clear responsibility and influence in kind of everyone else's sphere. Uh, and it looks wildly different <laughs> than what we Yeah. And I'm sure, I'm sure at the start, like I, I, I thought about this and I went, okay, I, I can imagine you, right, you and your team, almost like a, a team of architects or, or user experience designers kind of going, okay, let's throw out everything that exists and, and what would this ideal system look like and it'd be great to understand a little bit of that because you see this so many times in the world where where people are stuck by what already exists and they can't get their mind around it so it's like the whole yeah. you know that you'd want a faster horse and not a car the henry ford mm-hmm. saying like h- how did you do that how did you architect this uh you know it's i love that question uh often uh, i get more credit than is is due uh, sometimes when people really get what this is and they think, wow, this is amazing. It's so brilliant. They think that somehow I came up with this brilliant idea and architected the system. Uh, and as much as I'd love to take that credit, it, uh, it was a much more iterative process. So this came from just paying attention to what gets in the way of one person sensing something that could be better in a company and driving change with that experience. And there are a lot of things that get in the way, right? Painful meetings where you can't really get everyone on the same page. That gets in the way. Uh, bosses that don't see it. That gets in the way. Uh, the politics of the system. That gets, there's a lot of things, right? So all we did was over many, many, many years, we looked for the things that got in the way and we said, what simple change in the rules of the game? Like if we were to actually start, you know, writing down the rules of the game of how we organize here, what tweak or change in the rules would make this a more fun game? What, what tweak would make it so that people could actually drive change better? And so Holacracy is the result of years of experimentation. So where it came from was not one top-down architecture. Uh, ironic, this is the same paradigm that Holacracy does for a company. Instead of trying to centralize all control at the top and then break it down brilliantly, right? have the big reorg that solves all the problems, which of course never friggin' happens. You have big reorgs and they create more problems than they solve. Uh, Holacracy instead changes a company to one that's kind of designed in this highly iterative, just try stuff, keep what works, change what doesn't. It's it's evolutionary. It's evolving a design. And that itself is how Holacracy evolved. It was just try it. We, uh, we version number it. Uh, it's open source. We control it just like we do open source software. Uh, we, we're on version 4.1 of Holacracy right now. And each version we release is a result of listening and watching how it works in the world and just keeping continuing to tweak the rules uh, to get whatever bureaucracy out of the way and to make the rules work better for people and for organizations. So it kind of emerged and evolved. It, it, uh, it surprises even me when I look at what Holacracy is now. It's not the system I would have stepped back and architected at the beginning of this road for me. 
Um, but it makes much more sense. Uh, it's the one that kind of evolution designed instead of, you know, having some intelligent designer apply. And evolution's a pretty smart designer, you know. And I'm sure that is how people see it happen within the company. It's not, let's download yeah. this new business operating system and put it in and everything will be happy. It's, yep. it's let's download it and actually figure it out. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. Holacracy doesn't solve all your problems for you. All it's doing is giving you a better framework to figure things out, right? Like, it's not telling you how to sell your services or market your products or uh, it's not even telling you basic things like how to budget and how to how to manage projects. It's really just giving you a framework so that you can change any of those processes really easily as a result of the real experience that you're, you're having. Uh, so, for example, it's a fun, fun story. Uh, just to show how this, this system works. Uh, Holacracy kind of breaks down work in roles. And in one of my teams, I'm filling a role right now talking to you. I fill our Holacracy spokesperson role. I give a lot of talks and things like that. And I have another role on the, the same team. Uh, we call it our casting agent role. And the casting agent books me for talks. Now, these are just one role of like 20 I fill, right? I fill lots of roles, and most people do in companies like this. So it's not just a job description. It's one little piece of my overall job. And so I work closely with this other person in our casting agent role, books me for talks. And several years ago, our casting agent was feeling really frustrated because uh, we get these invites to speak at conferences and she'd do all this negotiation work with them. And at the end of her process, she'd present them to me and I'd shoot it down and I'd say, yeah, no, wrong market or wrong audience size or whatever. And she felt really disempowered, you know? And so in most companies, that would be kind of a tricky problem to solve. There'd be a lot of politics, a lot of talking about it, a lot of protecting egos. It's hard. With Holacracy, that team we're both on has a governance meeting, and we do it uh, about once a month. And so my casting agent uh, shows up at the go governance meeting. And in this meeting, anyone can propose changing any of the way the team works or anyone else's roles. And there's a disciplined process for the meeting. It's it's pretty efficient. It's not consensus-based, but it does give everyone a voice. In that process, she proposed adding an expectation on my role that I publish the criteria for the talks that I would accept. Because if, if she had it published, then she could assess it, and she wouldn't have to do all the work and get shot down at the end. And it took about two minutes in that meeting for us to add a clear expectation on my role for me to actually document and publish the, the criteria for acceptable speaking engagements. And at the end of that two minutes, she was able to turn to me and say, so uh, when do you think you can have that published for me by? And <laughs> the interesting thing that makes this story, I think, even more compelling, uh, I mean, that's pretty cool to, to do that in a company in two minutes, but I'm the founder of the company and she was our newest hire right out of college. You know, in what companies do you know where the newest hire right out of college can in two minutes add an expectation onto the founder and then turn to him and say, so when do you think you're going to have that done for me by, you know, <laughs> we're adapting, we're learning together. How do we need to organize for the sake of the purpose and the work? So many people would leave a company because of that, because they'd, they'd have lots of those instance, instances that build up over and over again. And it just eventually, you know, pushes them over the edge and they leave. They go, you know, nobody listens to me or nobody yep. listens to my ideas. And I'm, I'm at the cold face experiencing them. And then also, she's she's also she's coming in with new ideas. She's seeing things with true fresh eyes, and you know we're all guilty of being in a company and stop seeing what's actually happening right in front of our faces. Absolutely, yeah, and you know there's a, a benefit on the other side too. Uh, so people that are kind of used to not having that level of autonomy and power actually get 
really empowered by the system. But on the other side, as a former CEO, so I, there's, I, I, you introduced me as, as CEO, which most people do, but I'm actually not. We don't have a CEO. There's, it's a total distributed authority paradigm here. There is no one that holds the office of CEO or anything like that in our company uh, because every role has authority and autonomy in its area. But uh, as a former CEO, that was my past, uh, you know, I really hated it when people would, would turn to me and give their power to me. They, they'd come to me and say, so what do you want me to do about X or whatever? And I, you know, half the time, at least nine-tenths of the time, I'm like, I don't know. I want you to figure out what to do about X, right? Don't, don't defer your leadership to me. Go lead your own piece of this, you know? And the system is a huge relief for me. And I hear this from other founders and ex-CEOs all the time. Uh, where there's just so much burden, and, and also elsewhere in the management hierarchy, there, there's a lot of burden to people constantly giving you their autonomy and expecting you to lead everything. And this lets you push it right back on them. And now when somebody tries to do that, I say, you know, I don't actually have the authority to tell you how to lead your role, right? That's your role and your burden, not mine. <laughs> so if you want help, I mean, I'm happy to coach. I'm happy to, to give some ideas, but you have to own the burden of leadership here, not me. Uh, which yeah. just feels so liberating to be able to do. She makes so much sense when you think of any rules of parenting. It's like, don't do it for your kid. Let them yeah. do it. So they learn how to do it because they're going to have to do it when you're not there. You know, and totally. it makes perfect sense, which, which kind of leads me to this one. So whatever about parenting. Okay. So let's, let's part that for a while. But when kids go into organizations like schools and then university and then come through the system and maybe through their first job, their internship, they get, I suppose, I'm going to, I'm doing air quotes, infected by the way things are done, the way things are structured. And then if they're fortuitous enough, if they're lucky enough to land in a holacracy or a company that's, that's adopting holacracy, have you seen this mental shift or mental block to go, okay, that's the way it was and this is the way it is now, but and and a struggle oh, yeah. to get their head around it. Yeah, it's a deep change, uh, and it, it takes years. I mean, it's it's really like uh, it's a paradigm shift, and it takes a leap for people on both sides. Whether they're a manager that needs to really shift into like letting go and focusing on helping other people lead instead of follow, uh, or whether it's somebody frontline that's like you know they've grown up in a world that says you know don't take this kind of leadership and autonomy, and now they have to really own and lead their own piece of this. That's a huge shift. It does take time. Uh, not everyone is ready for it. But then again, uh, you know, what, what child is ready to be an adult when they leave home to be an adult? You know, most of them aren't. But they get ready by just being thrust in an environment in a world that treats them like an adult. And they rise to the occasion more often than not. And I see the same thing with people thrust into this environment. They're not ready for it. But this is the fastest way to get ready. It's, it's to be thrust in that world and then rise to it. Um, and that takes a while, and it, it's a complete mental rewiring. And I have people all the time. Uh, well, one, one example, uh, one woman came up to me and one of our clients, after doing Holacracy for like nine months, she came up and said, you know, I think I finally really have gotten what my therapist was trying to get me to see for the past couple of years <laughs> by working in this system about owning my own uh, autonomy and my leadership and not being codependent with others. And she said, yeah, I've talked to my therapist about this for years, and it was living in this, you know, for, for a little over six months that really got this driven home for me. And, you know, she described it as one of the greatest developmental leaps in, in her adult life. And I hear things like that all the time. It, it, it 
just pulls you to this this new space. Often, not everyone, but often. Yeah, that must be so rewarding, and and, and yeah. that that leads nicely to this one. Like, so you take that lady, and if you, if you think of some people in work, some people are happy to take orders and be followers and not lead and not you know challenge, not cha- respectfully challenge the status quo, or, or like the like the girl who came into your team and you know the casting agent came in and started questioning, you know, should we do this? Some people are, are the opposite, whether they're introverted or they don't like raising their voice and they just like doing. Yeah. How how do you bring them on the journey to holacracy? Like, so you're turning a follower into an entrepreneur, essentially. Yep. Yeah, it's exactly what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, one habit at a time, very slowly. Um, and that adds up. Uh, so, you know, when we coach a company through this transition, we have a whole kind of coaching program that focuses on uh the fundamental habits you need. So for example, one habit to make that shift. First, the person has to just take notes, uh, write down a note whenever they feel some tension about the way things are. And they don't have to do anything else for now. They just have to get in the habit of, you know, if you feel like something's a little off or a little inefficient or a little frustrating, just write down a note. You know, if you don't write that down, you're not going to remember half of them. You won't do anything about it. And once you're in that habit, then okay, Holacracy gives you a lot of processes that make that easier. Now you just have to look at your notes and bring something up in one of those processes. So it's kind of a next habit of take that note and just add it to the agenda in one of our governance meetings, right? And, and you know, okay. And then from that, somebody might surprise themselves with realizing, oh, I can drive a change. And maybe they just do it once. But often it's just that first time where people really come to life and realize, oh, like, look what I just did. I, I, I did just lead. I didn't even mean to. I was just writing down things like I was told. <laughs> and then I you know, took the things I wrote down and I put them on an agenda in this meeting. And the meeting process kind of evokes the rest from them. It pulls them through it. And so it's really about giving all these like guide rails that make it much, much easier for people to, to, to get a taste of that until they develop the capacity to just naturally be driving it forward and leading themselves. Um, and uh, you know, again, not everybody can make that that jump, and it's and not everybody goes from total follower to world class entrepreneur. You know, even in a couple of years. Yeah. But even just moving down that spectrum, you know, a couple of good leaps can be profoundly impactful for both the person and the organization. Yeah, and it must be so energizing when you think, you know, when I think of careers in general, like people get training really only at the start of their role, and then. They might go from company to company, and every time they go to the company, they're getting, you know, they're coming in at a higher level and they're getting paid better. And everybody who's hiring them or welcomes them into that company assumes they've got all the skills that they need, but mm-hmm. they don't. And then here comes Holacracy, and you know, you're getting retrained, but in a better way. And that must yeah. be, I mean, that must be so rewarding for you and your team to see that when that when that lands. Oh yeah, I love the human impact of this is is huge. Uh, you know, it it turns what we do, you know, eight plus hours a day into like one of the greatest developmental opportunities of our life, and um, and it it liberates people to actually use their voice, use their power, use their their perspectives and what they can sense and their consciousness really. Um, and when you see people like rising to that, uh, it's uh, yeah, it's deeply rewarding. Um, and it's so impactful, you know, it, it's making the organization more conscious and more purpose driven. And I think it makes our companies better. And I, I think the world needs more companies that are more human and more conscious and more responsive to the world around them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. And, and you know, one, one thing I, we, we were talking about this and, and 
you know, we, we, we see this all the time in Catawave where I work as well, where you're trying to change the DNA of a company. You're trying to change what they see. You're trying to give them a purpose that's, you know, in flow, that's pointed in the right direction. And oftentimes the challenge does not come from a, a bunch of mavericks or, ch- or change makers within the company. It comes from places of power. And, you know, trust is broken in so many of these companies, not, not just with the marketplace, between the company and the marketplace. It's often broken within the company where there's a lack of trust at yep. the boardroom table or, or at higher echelons in the company. And how do you, how do you change that? Ooh, that's a good question, and I wish I had all the answers to that one. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I know. It's a big one. Yeah, you know, I, so, I mean, that's certainly the space we're working in, um, and I definitely don't pretend we, we have a silver bullet answer to that. Uh, but we are we're working with uh, several government agencies right now trying to bring this change in, several big corporations that have some maverick leader in one department that want to adopt this for that department. and. I mean, it's always a challenge, especially when the broader system they're in is kind of actively resisting or, uh, you know, kind of the corporate antibodies come out <laughs> and attack this weird foreign invader. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we're, we're learning. We're learning a lot. Um, there's, uh, there's ways you can do this that make it look to the rest of the world around them mostly like what that rest of the world is used to and still run things phenomenally differently internally. And that can build some trust and buy-in that whatever they're doing isn't too crazy. It's working. Um, sometimes you have personalities uh, on teams that get in the way and you have to deal with that. Blockercy doesn't solve that for you, but it does make the problem much more visible. And I think that, to me, is the best solution I've found, uh, which is only a partial solution. It's make it so visible and so painful and so obvious what's going on that the system can't ignore it. And I think that's one of the the magics that holacracy does it doesn't solve those issues for you when you have that you know dominant personality or resistant or whatever but it makes it so clear to everyone including that person what's happening and that it's someone's ego or whatever um, and it makes it really hard to ignore it and i think in most companies today it's easy to just i mean it's the elephant in the room we don't talk about it everyone knows it but it's easy to ignore and in holacracy it's the system keeps calling attention and shining the light on the elephant and it makes it really right. hard to ignore it, which kind of forces you to figure something out. So basically, everybody pulls their, everybody raises the bar around the problem, and then that becomes very yeah. obvious. Yep. Brilliant. Yep. Brilliant. Yeah. And so, what what what's the kind of DNA of the type of company that that succeeds, or you know, so so yeah. if if a company was to to adopt holacracy, what does it look like before and after? Yeah, so the interesting thing, the kinds of companies, uh, there's very little pattern to. It's We're working with tiny little companies, uh, old companies, startups, uh, big companies, departments of big companies. The, the one common thread seems to be the leader who brings this in. Uh, those people have a strong common theme. They're, they're pretty visionary. They're, they're not as tied up in their own ego. They, they really genuinely want to run things better and differently. And it's not just about their status or whatever. It's, they're, they're really looking for a new paradigm. Um, and there's some really remarkable people that, that's the common thread. And it's all different industries, all different types of companies. Um, but those kind of maverick leaders that are, really like sensing the possibility that organization could be better and could be different. Those are the ones that are adopting this. Um, 
Beyond that, then the journey we talked about, that's a huge change and it's, it's, this isn't a quick fix. This is a deep, deep upgrade of the core fundamental framework that the business is running around. And on the other side of it, what you get, uh, I think it's really fascinating. Uh, you get a, a, a much more engaged workforce. So some of our clients have actually measured this and, and seen a, a pretty, uh, pretty remarkable leap in how much people report feeling engaged, feeling like they have the tools they need to get things done and to drive change. That's a, an interesting measure. And one one data point I found fascinating, um, Washington State has a department doing holacracy, and uh, they measured on one of their, their teams before and after uh, how long on average, measured in meeting minutes, how many meeting minutes does it take you <laughs> to uh, when you, you have a decision you need made or an action you want taken from someone else, how many meeting minutes does it take you to get to a clear commitment to a decision or action? And they measured, it was a 90-some percent reduction in the amount of time. And think of all the capacity freed. But the more interesting data point, they then measured before and after, what about meeting minutes when you need to change the structure of the organization, like the roles, the job descriptions at play, or the policies of the organization? How many meeting minutes does it take you to get a change enacted to the fundamental structures of the company? Uh, policies, roles, job descriptions, things like that. And they tried to measure it before and after. They couldn't because all of the surveys came back from before infinite. Uh, everyone reported it does not matter how many meeting minutes we spend. Sometimes we spent hours and hours and hours over years and failed to change that. It's simply static. It's not changeable. And after six months of holacracy practice, their average was about 20 minutes to make a fundamental change to the roles and structure and policies of the, the organization around them. And if you think about that, that that's that's a, a huge change because it's not just an efficiency gain; it's a new capacity, right? They're 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 experiencing a capacity that they simply didn't have before, um, and I find that fascinating. And then you can kind of imagine what does that company look like that is that responsive, where you know ninety some percent reduction in getting clear actions and decisions, and the new capacity to actually change the fundamental expectations and policies based on real feedback and real learning on every single team. And you get this system that's much more like a living system or an organism than a static top-down controlled machine, which is what we see in a lot of companies today. Um, it's dynamic, it's living, it's breathing, it's changing and evolving constantly. Um, it's highly ordered and highly chaotic, both. It's more structured, more ordered, and more change and more chaos, <laughs> all at the same time, all coexisting, just like life. That sounds amazing. And, and one question that kind of dawned on me there when you're saying about some people have get get this autonomy and this power all of a sudden. But do you, do you get a kind of some people don't handle power very well or handle mm -hmm. empowerment very well where they actually kind of it goes to their head a little bit. Have you seen any of that before? Um, well, it certainly can happen. Uh, I think the interesting thing though to compare it to is what you see in the management hierarchy, right? It doesn't need to be perfect, just better than what we're used to to be progress. Uh, and I think in the management hierarchy, it's so much easier for people in power positions uh, to kind of drive it with their own ego, uh, to let it get to their head, way more common with holacracy. Yes, everyone has more power, but that also means power isn't centralized as much. It's much more distributed or decentralized. So everyone has power and it's not just all power rolls up to some person over everyone else. So uh, yeah, people can still let the power get to their head, but there's self-corrective mechanisms. If they do that, they're likely to find themselves without that power really fast, much faster than a management hierarchy. Um, and not only 
do you have self-corrective mechanisms? There's only so much damage you can do when you're leading one little piece, but not over a whole team, right? Like everyone on that team has real power. So it's still possible, but it's less likely and there's more corrective capacity than in a management hierarchy. And, and it sounds like, it, it, like you say, as, as you used to be the CEO at the top of the, the pyramid in the past, it doesn't even need to come to you anymore. No. Sort it's not like, oh, well, Brian will sort that out. It's the exactly. team sort that out. Yeah, I love that. From a former CEO perspective, uh, you know, the, the, the system kind of takes care of itself, and I have so much more free time and energy to focus on bigger issues than all the little stuff that people used to, to kind of defer their power to me uh, for. It's great. Yeah, yeah, and, and time is the enemy, so it seems like it, it frees up a lot, and you, as you said, a new capacity. I suppose the next question is, so many people will be listening to this and go, how do I get a piece of that? How, do you, how does someone get involved and how does somebody do holacracy? Yeah, so there are many, many ways to jump in. Uh, I generally recommend whenever possible, get an experience of it. Uh, it's, it's one thing to read the book, but holacracy is like a sport. Uh, I mean, imagine trying to, you know, learn soccer when you've never seen a game played. You've just, you know, read the rule book and you know, read about it. It's, it's, it's one thing to read about. It's another thing to actually experience it. So you can do that. Uh, there's workshops uh, done by, uh, we have a whole network of certified coaches all over the world that does this work. So find somebody giving uh, a, a Holacracy workshop to give a direct hands-on experience or find a Holacracy coach to come into your team. Um, we often do like two-day workshops with executive teams where we give them a real taste of this on their real team. Uh, with their real issues, so they get to see how this would actually solve and, and you know, deal with their real stuff. Um, so those are ways. Uh, a starting point before that might be, of course, there's the book, Holacracy. You can read the book. We have tons of videos online and things like that. Um, there's uh, uh, several videos on our website, holacracy.org. So there's a lot there, but there's no substitute for either getting a coach to come in and give you an experience or getting to one of our workshops or trainings or one of our partners all over the world. Uh, that does that and just really get that firsthand visceral felt sense of what this is really like. Uh, that's the best place to start. From there, if you want to move forward with it, you have a lot of different options. You can get a coach. You can kind of do it yourself with some support, but it really helps to have that training or that direct experience to start. And, and you mentioned about, you know, version 4.1. How does that work, Brian, as well? Like, so it's an organization as well. It's .org. How, how does that, how, do, how does, how is Holacracy set up? Yeah, so my company is called Holacracy One, and we're kind of the stewards behind it, but uh, there's a whole network of companies that are, are doing stuff in this space now. Uh, we're kind of the certification agency. We, we also do our own um, trainings, and we do do some consulting work as well for the right clients, uh, but our, our primary role is kind of stewarding that whole ecosystem and making sure that anyone that is out there you know, selling Holacracy coaching services has the competency and the skills. We have a whole certification program and licensing program. Um, and uh, yeah, we're doing what we can. We're also focusing on evolving the method itself, Holacracy. There's also a software tool called Glassfrog that helps companies that are doing Holacracy to do it well. Um, so lots of different kind of support infrastructure, uh, which is what my company tries to, to do and get out there. Um, make it as easy as possible for an end user company that wants to do this to be set up to succeed and have lots of support and tools and, and people and service providers and trainings and everything. Um, but yeah, and you can find a lot more about all that on the website, holacracy.org. How long does it take for a company to really edit in? Yeah, so for any given team, uh, it's 
very roughly about a six-month journey to get to the point where it feels like you're playing the new game, uh, you know the rules of the game, you know how to use them, you're playing the game. It's like any sport, right? You don't master soccer in six months, but you can learn enough of the basics to have fun on the field playing the game pretty well. But then it's years of practice to really master doing it well. Kind of like how long does it take you to master being a manager in the management hierarchy, right? It's it's similar for mastering how to use holacracy to be an effective leader. Uh, But about six months, plus or minus, depending on the people in the team, uh, you can be at a point where, you know, it's it's feeling pretty comfortable. And, and you know, at, at least if you have a good coach or the right training and you've kind of you know, done the process right. Uh, you can also really screw that up and it could take a lot longer. Uh, but that's yeah. a good average. And, and uh, does it matter about the company size? Like you mentioned, where you might see some maverick in, within a bigger organization starting in their department. But does it matter? Is that a Is that a good way to start or... Is it better for the entire company to adopt it? What what do you see as the best way and, and what size of company? Yeah, it really depends on the size. So in a larger company, you can't do it across the whole company all at once. It's just too much of a change. So you have to start in a department anyway. And if you've got one uh, with a, a key leader, you know, that's perfect uh, to start in. In a smaller company, if you've got, you know, 50 people or less, then breaking it up and staging it is just adding complexity and headache. And you're better off just saying, let's do it across the whole company all at once. Um but uh, yeah, I'd say wherever there's real energy and a real leader that wants to drive change, if they have the autonomy and authority on their team to say, I'm running my team the way I want, then they have the option to say, and I'm going to do it with this system and this framework. Um, so it's it's uh, start where you are, start where you can, and just get some help, get some experience uh, if you can, and really you know do it, do it right so you don't kind of shoot yourself in the foot. There's a lot of bad ways to do this transition, um, and uh, do your best to get some support. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, Brian Robinson, pioneer of Holacracy, author of Holacracy. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thanks for having me, Aiden. It's been a pleasure.